the Brown Pundits Browncast. Good morning uh, and uh, welcome to the new edition of the uh, Brown Pundits Browncast. Uh, today we have with us again uh, Major Amin and Dr. Hamid Hussain, both uh, specialists in military history, especially the military history of the Pakistani and Indian armies and the British Indian Army. And uh, obviously the big news of the day is the ongoing crisis uh, in the subcontinent between India and Pakistan. Uh, this crisis was uh, triggered by the uh, bombing in Pulwama, where a car bomb uh, killed 40 plus uh, Indian soldiers. And then India uh, had a very belligerent tone after that. Uh, there were clear indications that they intend to retaliate in some military fashion. And uh, day before yesterday, they did that, and they carried out what was uh, a somewhat daring operation. Uh, they uh, penetrated into Pakistani territory about 80 kilometers across the line of control uh, to all the way across uh, Pakistani Kashmir and into uh, the KPK province of Pakistan proper and bombed uh, a location in Balakot. Uh, the bombs themselves probably fell in the forest uh, or hit what are relatively uh, unimportant targets. Uh, but I think the point was not the target itself. Uh, the point was more just the, uh, to show that nuclear threshold or no nuclear threshold, uh, they are, uh, the new line is that they can attack all the way into Pakistan if they want to. And uh, for one day, uh, they were really on top of the world. Uh, having made their point, everyone in India was celebrating uh, that they have shown Pakistan that they have created a new red line, uh, which did not exist before. Uh, but then yesterday, things turned around again, and uh, an Indian MiG-21, uh, probably chasing a Pakistani JF-17 that had briefly entered Indian-controlled Kashmir and then headed back, uh, managed to follow it back across the line of control and got shot down on the Pakistani side of Kashmir. And the pilot bailed out and is now a prisoner of war in Pakistan. And the uh, Indian wreckage obviously fell in Pakistan. There are conflicting claims still around uh, Pakistan, I think, claiming or at least initially claimed two aircraft shot down. And Israel, India tried to claim that they had shot down a Pakistani F-16 but the evidence on the ground and the reports seem to indicate that there was one aircraft shot down, and basically that's the MiG-21 that the Pakistanis shot down when it crossed the LOC into the Pakistani terrain. Again, it's just one aircraft and relatively uh, ancient aircraft, actually. I'm surprised that the Indian Air Force, in the middle of this whole standoff and knowing that a counterattack is probably coming, were flying combat air patrols using a MiG-21. It's a really primitive aircraft now. Uh, but anyway, that's what they did, and they managed to get shot down. And that completely changed the, the psychological picture, uh, because within Pakistan, where there was a lot of depression about the fact that the Indians had dared to come all the way to Balakot and bomb, uh, now it the Pakistanis are sort of crowing about the fact that we shot down an Indian plane. And unlike the Indian attack, uh, where there is really no visuals at all. Uh, we have the visuals. We have a captured pilot and we have a, a wrecked aircraft on the ground. Uh, so that's completely transformed the, the, the psychological sort of perception on the Pakistani side. 
saved, I think, the Pakistani military regime. I would call it a military regime. Uh, Imran Khan is of the, supposedly the prime minister, but everyone can see uh, that as far as these affairs are concerned, it's the military that rules Pakistan. And this uh, regime was sort of on the back foot, I think, day before yesterday, uh, but have now at least domestic audience, they have recovered completely and are in a very good mood. Uh, in India, on the other hand, uh, there is some uh, second guessing now going on. Uh, was it worth doing this? And was it? Uh, did they really make their point or not? Obviously, the official line is that they did make their point, and this MiG-21 being shot down doesn't change that. Uh, but perception is perception. It doesn't matter whether it's one MiG-21 or not. Uh, but uh, I think the perception has shifted. But that is not the end of the story. Obviously, uh, there is now we are at a new fork in the road. Uh, now, India has the option of uh, saying, okay, we're done. We made our point and uh, we let this MiG-21 go uh, and uh, de-escalate from this point. There will be the usual shelling across the line of control, but uh, not any new big major uh, activity. On the other hand, they also have the option of doing another action uh, and uh, thus re-establishing their sort of dominance of the PSYOPs picture, uh, which is important uh, for them because Modi has elections coming up. And uh, clearly those elections are on his mind. And uh, whatever election advantage he could have hoped to draw, uh, it has not disappeared, but it has been dented. Even if they don't want to admit it, it has been dented when they lost that aircraft. Uh, finally, uh, within the Air Force itself, uh, I was talking to a friend who was in the Pakistani Air Force in the past, and uh, he pointed out that there is a culture within the Air Forces, which is uh, probably similar on the Indian side and our side, that if uh, after an event like yesterday's, uh, there is a lot of pressure within the Air Force that we have to do something to sort of even the score. Otherwise, uh, we'll come off worst in this encounter. Uh, so there is pressure from the electoral point of view on Modi and from the Air Force to sort of redeem their name uh, on the Indian side to do something more. Uh, so I think the crisis may not be over. On the other hand, maybe it is. Uh, so let's ask our experts. So let's start with uh, Major Amin. Sir, what do you think? Is this a fair summary? And what do you think is happening and is likely so to happen? Sir, what has happened is that Pakistan has perfected a system of brinkmanship. Pakistan was allowed to acquire a nuclear device by the US President Reagan in 1983-84 because at that time there was a fear that India might act as a USSR proxy and invade Pakistan and disrupt the US base against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. Therefore, at that time, President Reagan allowed Pakistan to acquire a nuclear device and this happened in 83-84. After that, between 1984 and 1999, Pakistan developed a sort of a doctrine of brinkmanship. That is, Pakistan has got a nuclear device. It can always, you know, deter India. Therefore, Pakistan can carry out small pinpricks, proxy wars. India cannot launch a conventional war. This model was perfected. The 
extreme example of this model was the Bombay attacks, when despite uh, being attacked in the most, uh, you know, conspicuous and decisive place, India could not retaliate. Similarly, Pakistan has been practicing this brinkmanship in Afghanistan also while supporting the Taliban proxies. Now, there is a great confusion and, uh, you know, uh, disturbance in India that India cannot counter this model of brinkmanship. And uh, first there was a lot of rhetoric that India would retaliate at Muritke and all that after the Bombay crisis. But finally, now in 2019, Indians have for the first time tried to challenge this system of brinkmanship. Proxy war definitely is going on and uh, this particular point in time was very important in the sense that number one, there was international arbitration of this alleged Indian spy Kulbushan Jadev. Number two, Modi has lost elections in some provinces and is on the brink of a major national elections and wants to score some points. Number three, you are right that Pakistan is, you know, having a new uh, Sayyid Brothers type of government, you know, there was, you know, Sayyid Brothers in uh, later Mughal era who used to change kings. So the Pakistani military is the Sayyid brother and uh, the kings are being changed like Farooq Sayyar and Jahadar Shah and Bharu Shah. So this drama is also going on. But I would say that uh, this is a dangerous situation. This, this was a tactical pinprick. This Pakistani downing of two aircrafts has got no strategic importance and is a, you know, is a very minor incident. But, you know, it is being overplayed, exaggerated in Pakistan and the, uh, the population as well as the military is jubilant. But, you know, this is a very, it's a very minor incident and it does not settle the issue. The Indians have an option of uh, opening a new front, attacking at a new place. I would rate the Indians very irresolute. Like, you know, uh, they don't have the burning desire to kill the enemy. They are, you know, acting uh, like uh, clerks in a, you know, in a water and power ministry. You know. They don't have that resolve, you know. Uh, then I would, I, I would take serious, you know, uh, uh, point with the Indian government why they sent outdated MiG-21s for this, you know. Possibly this was a bait. Because, you know, uh, aircrafts got crashed, but India has got all the sympathy. First, their 44 soldiers were killed in Pulwama. Now, these two aircrafts have been destroyed. So, you see, there is a very big difference between narrative. Pakistani narrative is not believed by any person in the world. Because our soldiers, our diplomats, our media guys are simple incompetent. India's narrative, whatever we may think in Pakistan, has got a far greater currency worldwide. So this is certainly not the end of the matter. This was a tactical affair and we should not be jubilant about it. Nobody should be jubilant about it. You know, it's a, it's a serious matter and uh, a very important 
transformation has taken place in the Indian uh, doctrine in the sense that whatever has caused it, it may be immature or may, may be, you know, election related. But India has now started challenging the Pakistani doctrine of brinkmanship, which was developed starting from 1983 till the Bombay attacks. So it's a serious matter and uh, Pakistani uh, decision makers should take it seriously. India should also understand that, uh, you know, uh, this uh, uh, aviation flirtation in uh, Kashmir can get out of control, can get out of spin. Both the parties should exercise restraint. And uh, the bottom line is that both Indians and Pakistanis have a very mediocre strategic mindset. Here I would just uh, take you back to my army stay in Okada when I was in uh, I was a major in 1992-93 and uh, there were about nine brigades in our uh, garrison. Uh, this army chief General Bajwa was a brigade major, Rahil Sharif was a brigade major and there were many other brigade majors. And the most outstanding guy in that arena, he was a man called uh, Major Badr Munir. He retired as a brigadier. The most outstanding brigade major was a man called Major Nassar Vadaj. He retired as a colonel. The two relatively middle guys, Rai Sharif and Bajwa became the army chiefs. So I can assure you that the strategic level of thinking in Pakistan army is not very high. And I think the same case is in India. Highly mediocre people with no, you know, uh, strategic talent, but you know, trying to do small things to gain attention of the gallery. That This is my summing up. Let's ask Dr. Hamid. Dr. Hamid, what do you think is the situation right now and what directions sort of can it go in? Uh, like, like any conflict there is, uh, once it starts, uh, and even uh, it was not the original intention of the person who started there, but sometimes events takes on its own course and then one leads to the other. So there's always a possibility of escalation uh, with a new uh, incident that there and the other party thinks that. So at this point, I see is to the the score is 1-1. One, one. So the Indians came in undetected, dropped their payloads, went out there and claimed that well, we have scored a goal that is. And then uh, whether it's uh, incompetence or, or kind of lack of thinking on Indian part, uh, sending, as you said, is an, uh, an obsolete aircraft which was easily shot down. So that gave an opportunity for Pakistan to claim a goal there. So it's a 1-1 one, one now. Uh, now the question is whether is to both sides, it's more often in Indian now, kind of uh, the ball is in the Indian court, whether they would want to have another strike to make it a 2-1 with the game there, or they think what they have made their point. And from now on onwards, it is to start uh, uh, kind of on the coming down the ladder that year, uh, because I don't think so on Pakistan side is neither their their uh, political, economic, or diplomatic situation is such that they can afford uh, an escalation or or uh, having a more ambitious kind of ideas at this stage, at least that there is.
So they will not be, uh, if anything, they will do would be in response to what India does next there. Otherwise, is they are, feel happy that they have scored a goal and now from a weak position and now uh, uh, they can claim victory and things can de-escalate that. There. So it's a, it's essential. The next decision is from the Indian. And as you pointed out, there is whether a little bit from uh, the, especially Air Force itself there is. But one advantage in India is that the, the political uh, uh, elite kind of have a control. They can veto uh, uh, the Air Force's request or a pressure that there is if they think that politically it's not a good thing to make the next move that year. But on the other hand, if the a combination of factors where the uh, if the Modi sees some electoral advantage or uh, laying the, some of the these nationalistic jingoism that there is helpful to him, and at the same time the the uh, input comes from the especially the air force that while well, we need to do something there and the convergence of both may result in is, in is another kind of move which most likely would be another a quick run in and dropping something and then saying, well, we did it again there, but that again takes a risk of any time you come across the line, whether the Pakistanis go over there or the Indians come that year, even if it's a 5% or 10% chance that you are kind of uh, shot down again there, that means that you will have, instead of your goal, the other party got a goal that year. So it's kind of uh, goes anywhere there. But my feeling is that there that probably they have uh, uh, gone close to the brink and now they uh, uh, will be walking back from here. Now, whether that be a slow gradual that year or more quicker that year or something is because clearly there's no uh, one factor which used to be a decisive in India-Pakistan conflict was that uh, whenever these two kids will start fight there, then they, both of them will start coming running to Uncle Sam that year. Uh, but now that in the White House we have put in just a, a randy old man who's not interested in this kind of that there. So uh, in a normal situation at this level of escalation, you were seeing a flurry of uh, U.S. diplomats flying into both countries and trying to pacify things that there is. So now I don't see any big, just the regular statements from different countries there, but no uh, uh, concrete move from any uh, outside uh, power to come into LA the or bring down the temperature. So then that means now the, the the kids have to play as a grown-up there and try to work their uh, uh, problem is themselves that there. So I, I, I feel and I sincerely hope that uh, the de-escalation occurs quickly to avoid any other uh, unfortunate kind of incident there with a, with the loss of uh, life and uh, uh, kind of other damage on both sides of the border that day. So what is the, uh, you know, uh, the options in front of India right now? Uh, they have they have the edge in that they can tolerate more of this, uh, a prolonged crisis than Pakistan can. Uh, Pakistan is practically out of money. Uh, the economy is in bad shape. And right now the situation is, I was looking at this Flight Radar 24 website, you know, you can see the planes flying in the air, commercial planes flying in the air. And all over India, there are hundreds of planes in the air. 
only in Punjab, the the Indian Punjab, the airfields, the civilian airfields have been shut down, so there's no commercial flights in that zone. But otherwise, in India, it's life is going on. But on the Pakistani side, literally, there was not a single plane. The entire airspace is empty uh, because everything we, we basically have only a few air airfields. And uh, with this crisis going on and the uh, airplanes, warplanes in the air, uh, all the civilian flights are shut down. Uh, similarly, if there is any uh, sort of pressure on the Karachi port, it doesn't have to be an attack, right? It it can be just other shipping companies, their insurance costs will go up if it's a war zone and they don't want to go there. Uh, how long can we sustain that? And does that raise the pre- at some point, does it raise pressure to either back off or go for something really wild? And do you think that that's a possibility? You want me to take on this, uh, Omar? Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, yes, go ahead, that's please. the kind of you raised the valid point that there is. But in terms of if you look, there is already to Pakistan is starting from a poor position to start with. There's no tourism. There's no major investment things coming that there is. So, yes, that part is there. So uh, the question is when a crisis situation occurs and now the investor is kind of parking their money away and already yen is kind of going up and things that is as i said is the war is it's not only the shooting that there are there's not even a single kind of casualty uh, uh, there's no killed soldier on both sides there but already is uh, uh, the cost in terms of economic that there is having an impact on both economies that there is uh, but the suffering of uh, indirect that here on yes from a military point of view is india can absorb a lot of uh, uh, kind of damage compared to Pakistan that there is. But here is you have to remember is this, these are all perceptions that there is. Perceptions and just the fear of that there, which makes the investor run away, things with that part there, or the tourists who are coming. So then uh, I would see is India would be, if it's prolonged, uh, if I, people do have plantations for India there or investments and things that there, so they will be holding on to that there. So India is, and if India has a bigger piece of the pie and they lose a small chunk, but in, still it comes out to be billions of dollars that there compared to Pakistan, which we already doesn't have uh, much in the kitty to lose with that there. The situation will get a little bit more worse that there is, but they're not losing with that part. So losses on both sides, it's a relative and how people perceive that part there is in terms of current crisis. Now the situation is from, from a Pakistani point of view is I don't see as to they have any rationally kind of any advantage of escalating that. Their goal would be to, to rapidly de-escalate. The only would be is to for the psychological uh, kind of reasons for their own. And that's their only domestic population that there. That there, if something India does is to at least your some kind of a response is there, even if it's some minor response there is to allay the kind of give some some morale for your own people that there is that's the only thing that there and at the same time not to do anything irrational that they were uh, they're already so much isolated in the world that there that you don't want to be a pariah or a state that will be a north korea of the southeast asia that there so that kind of that process will prevent any irrational or a really kind of crazy thing to do at this stage, that part there, even if there are one or two kind of incidents occur, which the India takes an initiative to take the ground with that there. So there's any response would be kind of a more, uh, uh, just to kind of a score pointing there, even if it doesn't have any major uh, uh, tactical or even strategic kind of impact on the whole situation that is. So that's not in their interest there. And in India, as we kind of discussed that, there already is that if there is some, 
combination of factors from a political and the military point of view that there is the only options I see is to just moving a little bit more troops towards the border, which creates a, a, a heightened kind of alertness that there forces Pakistan to bring some troops from other areas into deploy that there, bring in some more air force assets more closer to the border which uh, with an indication that, well, we are going to do something that year and do a similar, even if not too far, coming in a couple of miles inside the boundary, drop you uh, kind of uh, some of the payload there and then claim that we did another one that part there. And again, that would be just to kind of uh, 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 allaying kind of uh, addressing the domestic kind of uh, audience that part there is. Uh, so this would be kind of my kind of take at, at least at this stage and where we go from here that And Major Amin, uh, what do you think uh, yeah, the my, options are? My idea is that, uh, you know, India has been, they have suffered a severe embarrassment uh, internally. And uh, if, if I if I was Prime Minister Modi, I would certainly escalate and mobilize the forces because uh, this is a do or die thing, you know. If Modi does not retaliate, if he does not prove is good. he is going to lose the next elections and uh, as far as I understand history has got nothing to do with religion or nationalism it's all about ambition and since ambition is the, the central uh, motivation in this whole scenario I think Modi will go for uh, escalation of forces mobilize the Indian forces uh, create more tension on the border and uh, he does not care about the Indian uh, business you know he is interested in the next elections and the next elections the votes are going to be which are going to matter are going to be cast by people who are you know who are have not so being a, a, a you know simple position uh, i think he will go for escalation and uh, uh, this will be something like the escalation of 2001 in the aftermath of uh, attack on indian parliament Nothing happened, but uh, you know there was a lot of tension on the border, and uh, India will certainly make a point. You know, it's not going to end like this. You know, it's not uh, it's not a game of children. You know, two huge two huge entities are involved. You know, I mean, it, it can't. Although what has happened is tactical, it can't end here because uh, it has got a strategic dimension also. And the strategic dimension is that India has challenged the Pakistani concept of brinkmanship, which the Pakistanis successfully practiced with Soviet Union, with the USA in Afghanistan, in Kashmir also, uh, before 1999, the brinkmanship was, uh, you know, practiced. India has challenged that concept of brinkmanship, that look, if you uh, initially support a proxy war, we can challenge, we can challenge your, your bluff, you know. So it's a serious matter, and I don't, I don't think that Indians will stop here. This is my assessment. I may be totally wrong. Thank you. Thank you. And Rajiv has also joined us. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rajiv, I uh, didn't uh, re realize until I started that I'm using your sign-on. Uh, so I have to, we have to delay Rajiv coming on. So Rajiv, do you have a question for uh, our guests? Uh I guess, uh, you know, I've been kind of keeping track of it as best as I can. It's hard to figure out what's going on, but it seems like um, tensions have uh, cooled a little and there's no eminent uh, threat of uh, 
all-out war, correct? That I think both sides do not want an all-out war, but uh, events can get out of control, but that's they don't want it, for sure. I think neither side wants it. Yeah. I think nobody ever wants an all-out war, but sometimes one thing leads to another and you can't back out and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm just, I was, the only thing I'm worried about is some random sequence of events and that is how, that is how great wars have started in the past. You know, random sequences of events that were low probability or misunderstandings. Um, have both sides gotten what they wanted out of this? I think India has not got what it wanted yet. Uh, that they had what they wanted day before yesterday, but with sort of foolishly sending a MiG-21 into the air, they have sort of lost that advantage. And so now they are under pressure to do something more to regain the advantage. Uh, that's my impression, but let's see what our guests think. Dr. Saab, I, I want to interject here. You see, uh, this is a unique scenario. Uh, since 1945, no nuclear armed states have gone to war. And uh, war is certainly not an option. But what has happened is that since 1945, states have resorted to proxy war. Because war is too costly, the conventional war is too costly and it is out of question. So what has happened is that all states including USA, USSR, I would include Pakistan and uh, India also in this have gone to proxy war. So war is certainly not a, uh, not a possibility, it is not an option. But what has happened is that proxy war is certainly the in thing. And this is what we are seeing, seeing is proxy war you know. And the serious thing is that India has challenged the Pakistani concept of proxy war, you know, that if you finger us in Pulwama or anywhere, allegedly, I, 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 I would say, I'm not sure what has happened, but the concept is that one party is saying that if you finger us in Pulwama or X place, we are going to retaliate in X place. So it's a serious matter, you know, a strategic doctrine developed has been challenged the USA had not dared to challenge the Pakistani proxy war in Afghanistan, but um, Indians have challenged it. So it's a serious matter and, and you know, it has to be viewed like this, you know. Conventional war certainly is not an option, is not a, you know, uh, is not a possibility. But uh, elections, uh, you know, round the corner and India having suffered a, you know, a bloody nose. I think Modi as a politician well, you know, he will resort to some sort of face saving, some sort of, uh, you know, escalation, maybe some attack somewhere else, you know, uh, could be, uh, you know, some demonstration against Pakistani assets or interest in Afghanistan, uh, could be a blast in uh, Balochistan or Karachi or in Punjab, which is the heartland of Pakistan, because, you know, Pakistani military is very sensitive about North Punjab. It's political and strategic heartland. Anything can happen, you know. We can't rule it out, you know. The beauty of this proxy war is that, you know, they can strike anywhere, you know. Both India and Pakistan, they can strike anywhere. The whole world is the battlefield, you know. Thank you. What is the, uh, you know, coming to the sort of the root of this proxy war uh, is that there is an insurgency in Kashmir, which obviously has a lot of local support in the Kashmir Valley, although not necessarily in the other sections of Kashmir in Jammu and Ladakh. Uh, but this insurgency has been maintained 
by with Pakistani assistance, obviously. Uh, there is no question that Pakistan keeps the insurgency alive. And the pressure back and forth on all these occasions, whether it was the parliament attack or the Mumbai attack, uh, has been that Pakistan came under some pressure from the U.S. and from India uh, to stop this process, and they pretended for a while at least to do something, but they never actually stopped it. And this scenario has been repeated many times. Will it be repeated again this time? Uh, or do you think that there is a possibility that Pakistan may be forced to change course? And what is that change of course? Or what change of course is even possible? Change of course is not possible at this stage because the, the lines have been clearly drawn. Pakistan has uh, finally left the Anglo-Saxon camp, which it had, it had joined uh, in 1954. Uh, there is a clear shift in Pakistan towards China and Russia. So certainly change of course is out. USA has lost that leverage because of mediocre statesmanship. They have lost that leverage. I uh, don't think Pakistan is going to change the course because the Pakistani military and the generals have a huge pie called Pakistan with them. And they are certainly not going to change the course, you know. Uh, above all, you know, uh, India and uh, the United States as strategic players, they lack that, uh, they lack that strategic talent to deal with the, you know, uh, the Pakistani-Chinese-Russian combination. And uh, I would say that uh, insurgency in Kashmir has got a lot to do with China also, uh, who are totally opposed to the concept of uh, independent Kashmir, which I think uh, could have been an ideal uh, solution to the whole issue. And uh, there are too many dynamics in the valley, you know. It's not just Pakistan alone. Uh, the Kashmir insurgency is uh, supported by more players than Pakistan. And uh, the situation is highly complicated. But the bottom line is that uh, in this particular situation, uh, Modi has got an election at stake and he's going to react. You know. There is no strategic design here. Maybe uh, Modi has some short-term uh, plans. Uh, some very personalized, you know, uh, kind of plans, uh, uh, you know, um, related to his election victory. But uh, certainly, uh, I don't think he is going to sit, you know, like that, you know. The kind of man he is, you know, uh, whatever you call him, uh, I think uh, he would escalate, certainly. Thank you. So, Dr. Hamid, what do you think if, the, if this is the case and India too is not going to back down now, they want to press Pakistan to to change course and Pakistan, as Dr. Major Amin is saying, is really not planning to change course at all. They feel quite confident that they are on the right track and they can sort of bleed India by a thousand cuts or whatever. Uh, in this sort of stalemate, one side has to give in at some point. Uh, it cannot continue forever. The issue is to just select the Pakistanis kind of change of uh, uh, the course that year. Now, obviously, what since uh, things are, especially after the 2005-6, when the uh, insurgency in the or, or the militant threat in the Fatah area uh, escalated, and, and large number of resources uh, were shifted towards that year is. So that's just based on my own uh, conversations with the. Uh, a number of officers of different ranks working different fields, uh, both operational and the intelligence one that is. I mean, it was that, that the, the theoretical decision is, or understanding is there. Uh, they're not, I mean, they're 
well-educated and, and well-integrated who travel and uh, go to the foreign defense courses, interact with international players. So these are those who come into the higher echelons of the Pakistan army. So uh, off the record is they will candidly admit that there is that well there's, there's those days of uh, um, things have changed that year so what we were doing is that's not possible endlessly forever that part there is so you have to kind of at some point is the, the so kind of uh, control or so the differences between is controlling this thing there or giving up this option forever that is so that's essentially the discussion among that there is we are talking specifically about the the Kashmir uh, support uh, for that part is, and especially when the uh, international isolation and uh, the internal threat from the from the uh, tribal territories and then the reignition of uh, insurgency in Balochistan uh, had a serious kind of uh, change of thought process with that theories. The argument of is, which well, I was doing as well, so well, that's what you think is, so then what you're doing about that is. The argument is that is, well, we already have opened so many fronts internally internationally isolated and heartland which is because the 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 support which is from a pakistani side at least external support which is that's from the heartland is from the punjab that year the southern punjab and then the the hafiz Sayyid's group there which is based in the northern punjab that year so their argument is that well even if we want to control it that there we cannot afford to open this uh, another front which will essentially ignite the whole of the pakistan now we're going to have the troops now kind of uh, you have to put in like uh, uh, the whole core two cores in the south there to deal with the militants who are entrenched in uh, bahalpur and all that area the jaisho muhammad base is all the southern part of that there the the, uh, the the support base of uh, uh, hafiz age groups is mainly in the northern pakistan that year. so they found a the middle ground is to so some which are amenable that year and then what happened was there is so uh, uh, mr hafiz saeed and some of those top leadership they they got a nice uh, severance package that there is and they were willing to okay so you could dial down calm down not sending people that there and you see especially after the 2001 there was a dramatic drop in which even the indian kind of security officials admitted that there from cross-border which was coming in that and these were the ones which were born these are the hardcore trained uh, uh, people that in Afghanistan, in Pakistan that year, most of them Pakistani, a number of them other foreigners that year, which gives a uh, fillip to the to the, uh, in, the the Kashmiris who are inside India struggling that year, taking up the weapons against the state that there is. But this foreign element was a major impetus and most of the most daredevil and most devastating attacks were planned and done by these groups that year. So that had a big impact on the insurgency. But once the decision is that there, so some of the top leadership, they kind of, you can give them a severance package and they kind of calm down or cool down there, both in terms of the rhetoric and the operational issues that there is. The downside which occurred was there. So those, the foot soldiers who were brainwashed or trained that way there is they saw this as a betrayal. And many of them have uh, kind of uh, um, very kind of openly uh, threatening the Pakistan army. And a number of the foot soldiers kind of drifted towards the, the uh, when the Taliban had all these uh, uh, Waziristan and all those areas, which had, they have essentially taken control of there. So many of these foot soldiers kind of drifted towards those uh, areas, which were the so-called, uh, then you saw the Punjabi Taliban group with that part there. So this was the one which is, they saw this now, wait a minute, that if we, uh, are able to buy off and that or, or to kind of calm down the leadership and still the foot soldiers run away. Imagine if we go directly head and head back there. That you mean the whole cadre 
and the leadership will be again so you'll be fighting another kind of front that year and that's the scare the bgbs out of them that there is so even if ideally like theoretically they think is this is not a viable option or this is this is causing more damage to the pakistan cause that year economically diplomatically that year is but they feel is to they're not in a position to militarily tackle that year and even that's that's i know of that some of the pakistani officers who are operating in tribal areas and especially the non punjabi officers that year is they were a little bit kind of upset that year as well we are doing a pretty uh, kind of thorough housekeeping job in other areas why can't we do in uh, in uh, uh, the southern punjab that year is so there was this internal debate going on that there is uh, it's always is those who kind of uh, indians or the americans who are against kind of that there so well, this is the kind of uh, uh, they uh, want to keep this there but we have to understand the limitations of uh, and the fragility of the state of pakistan and the army is fully aware of that there is to not to do that there is to go in a, such an open ended way that there is well you can do is to want to argue that in well in terms of uh, cutting down the financial thing gradually clipping the wings that there um uh, and, and and another aspect was that there was to actually some of the intelligence uh, uh, officers that there was to uh, the theme was to mainstream those of try to have to go through some de-radicalization and have the some of these uh, groups that there which uh, who are willing to a kind of lay down the arms to have them make a political party and come into the elections in those part there to try to integrate that there is uh, but that faced a significant resistance from at that time the political leadership of nawaz sharif and that was the one of the main reason that uh, of of a uh, kind of dispute between the military and the civilian leaders of that time period there so there are a lot of other kind of things which it is not a kind of as simple there is to, oh this is a bad guy group and let's go these are the people who are deeply entrenched that there is who are in the society uh, the village levels that there is and to taking them down is from purely military point of view is uh, kind of be a, a long haul that there is the question is to whether you are making an effort where you are showing it to the world and more importantly convincing pakistani public there is a large uh, number of pakistanis who strongly disagree with this policy that they well you cannot openly say it or discuss that there but you go in the streets and, and every uh, ethnicity of that is saying that this is not good for the country of having that it always going to be pakistani to uh, every 6 months you'll be going into this cycle there because you, you, know, you can claim you have no control but then the guy sitting in your country and what you're doing about him that there is so there's some kind of thing is yes you know what he's saying is to just kind of start going blazing with the guns that there but some is to where you're trying to constraining them find financially restricting their activities that there uh, whether to prosecute some of them who are proven any crimes put them in behind the bars that there so at least you're showing some effort there where international community feels that you are working on this thing you can't just kind of Uh, leave there and and hope that the world forgets about it because every incident of such comes in there is this whole discussion and debate will come both inside the pakistan and the international community that is and i see is that plan yeah but the problem no well, i was going to say the problem with this saying this at this point in time is that we have been saying this for 17 years now right in 19 in 2001 we told george bush that okay we can't go after everyone at the same time so it will take some time but then there is an attack on the indian parliament and we we sort of take some action but nothing big changes seven years after that there is this mumbai attack which is the biggest attack ever and uh, and then we say okay we are cracking down we even we did investigate we arrested some of the people who are involved but 
gradually the people were either let go the investigation has not uh, sort of progressed at all the court cases have not progressed and there is clearly the organization that that carried out the attack has not been shut down and in fact there is evidence that the state was only sort of pretending to crack down because the state's own propaganda effort has con- the domestic audience has been convinced that the attack was not even from our side that no one from pakistan went and attacked mumbai everyone in the rest of the world knows that these 10 people came from pakistan but within pakistan 90% of the people now believe that they were probably rss people from pune or something uh, this to 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 be doing that you have undermined your own credibility right now if you say oh no we are doing it we just need some time there may be a point at which nobody is going to believe that so oh, that's 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 the problem that there is as we said is the pakistani narrative is no uh, uh, even if now uh, you say something which is the correct kind of letter you're trying to convince that but it's because nobody believes that because of the all your past sins come back to haunt you that there is and they openly admit what has been done that there is but the problem is that's what it is the credibility is now is to the state has to do some heavy lifting there which, let's say 5 or 10 years ago with a small incremental uh, work there you could have achieved your goals that there. and and the question is not that they're doing it as as a favor to india or as a favor to us or anybody else that there is the fundamental question which and that debate has not unfortunately started in pakistan that there is that debate in the society is so this is a security policy that there is this in a pakistan interest or not that there is and a frank debate and thing and i think majority of pakistanis any sensible pakistani will say that's not in their interest that there but the problem is that the military it has the, the the to confront these people the kind of people you want to be have your back there is these are the people who believe in non violence that there is the educated these are the people who want peace with india that there is the problem is army is picking the fights with these people that is also uh, censoring them arresting them things that there so you are even if you have say 5 years or 2 years or 10 years later you decide to oh that's once or forever i want to take care of this the militant kind of segment of the society there you you need to have the the other part of society which is backing you but if you're in in war or or uh, calling them the traitors and things that there is you are an ever losing uh, you will you will never go to uh, win anything that there is again, uh, and that's what the tragedy is but again to an outside observer it doesn't even look like you want to do it right the the fact that the army went after nawaz sharif sort of with everything in its power uh, after memo gate and so on this was one of the reasons seems to be that nawaz sharif was actually saying things that included you know cracking down on these militants is something that we have to do and saying that was considered tre- treacherous or was considered uh, very bad and the army's vast psyops operation which is in pakistan sort of dominates the entire media uh, the the efforts of that entire operation are not to delegitimize the militants it is to delegitimize the people who are opposed to the militants so what message is that sending to the outside world that that's correct that there is but the problem with the inawashi was also because because he was resisting the mainstreaming of uh, especially the hafiz said and that group that here and his was a more political if those were not his eating his vote bank he probably would have gone with that but the problem is that the 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 by mainstreaming the that 
part of the Punjab that they will eat away the votes of the uh, PML Nawaz Sharif, the activist. So for him, even if he thought is the right thing to do, he could not agree with that there for political reasons also that there is. And the whole kind of Humpty Dumpty then fell. But yes, you're, you're correct that this was one of the uh, kind of a major sticking point or major reason for the conflict with that and which the decision was made to pack him up with that part there is to uh, that yeah, but that is that it is uh, that dilemma is there is of the military leadership decision that there is once you and then uh, see sometimes these what you do at other times the same thing it gives a signal and people start your own people start questioning that you know so you remember is that that gentleman, uh, 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 Mr. Uh, that Molana Khadim Rizvi, who's now behind bars, and nobody hears about it. That there is the same guy when he was against the War Sharif. That there is everything is open with that there, so that everybody starts looking at his voice. So the, when when it's in your interest there, you don't want to touch the guy that there. But once he comes in and he says only one statement against the army chief, and look, you came in with a whole heavy hand and and disintegrated that whole lot who who you are, you have allowed him at one time. To, to shut down the capital for several days with that. Data. So those those kind of actions which they do is that raises a serious question about the intentions of uh, uh, military is using these for both internal uh, political uh, fights with the civilian leadership there and in an external thing that there. So let's ask Mayor Amin, what do you think? Is there even a constituency for making that kind of change or this is just a double game throughout? <clears throat> My... You see, uh, first of all, I totally agree with Dr. Hamid Hussain uh, that, you know, the Pakistani military has got a vested interest, number one. The second thing is that there is a Persian saying, Burjab Dastamoz, you know, the Pakistani military wants uh, a chicken who they can carry in their lap, you know. Nawaz Sharif was a Burjab Dastamoz, you know, they were carrying him. When Nawaz Sharif learned to fly, they say he is a very dangerous man, you know, then they cut his wings, you know. So this is the Murghidastamos philosophy, you know. They, they, they want a chicken in their, you know, lap, you know, they, under their, you know, arms, you know. When the chicken learns to fly, they say he is very dangerous, you know. So, you know, this is what happened to Nawaz Sharif. He was test tube baby of the army and the ISI and General Zia. And when this test tube baby learns to fly, then he becomes a threat, you know. So, uh, presently, uh, the new Prime Minister is also, you know, like something like Nawaz Sharif was in 1990 or 93, MRD, uh, this, uh, IJ and all that. I totally agree with Dr. Hamid Hussain. But the problem is that uh, even the Pakistani public, the vast public, uh, the, the Punjabi vote bank that matters, you know, they have been swayed by the... Um, ISPR manipulations by the propaganda. It's a huge machinery, you know, which is, you know, in uh, in working. Just look at uh, the way Pakistan is being steered, you know. The Saudi guys comes to Pakistan and, you know, uh, he doles about 12 billion and, you know, Pakistan is a Saudi chattel. And, you know, just imagine the lack of moral courage of Pakistani journalists and the lowest depths to which Pakistani media has sunk that no journalist in Pakistan could ask the Saudi prince about the murder of Adnan Khashoggi. You know, just look at the lack of moral courage in this society. Pakistan has gone to the lowest intellectual level in, in its history, you know. It was a great country. It had a great media. It had intellectually honest people. All of those people have been shunted out or they have been booted out or they have been crushed, you know. It's a bad situation, you know. 
Pakistan is suffering with the psychosis, you know, which is at national level. It is not easy to, you know, exercise Pakistan, you know. It's, a, it's like a, you know, you know, it's like a, it's a, like a black spell cast by General Zia. The black spell was cast by General Zia, you know, he was an evil man. And we can't, we can't get rid of this black spell now, you know. You bring Bajwa, you bring anybody, you know. They're all, you know, they're all puppets, you know. The whole, the whole system has been, you know, it's dysfunctional. There is no possibility. It's like a monster, you know. You just can't change it, uh, brother. It's not possible. Well, if you're going to say that, if if we take that as the situation, then what is the? How would you counter the argument that you hear on Twitter, for example, from right-wing Indian nationalists right now, that there is no solution except what you know happened with my jindan and the sikh khalsa and whatever that they need to be beaten once otherwise they are never going to behave and see that is very complicated that is very complicated to do it is very complicated and indians don't have the strategic insight they just can't figure out usa does not understand how to deal with it it's a complicated strategic dilemma only time i think uh, the already cracks are appearing in pakistan for the first time, the Islamists have challenged the military. It's a very significant strategic development. Not to be underestimated, you know. I mean, uh, I, I don't agree that they, they have been crushed, number one. Number two, the ethnic dimension. For the first time, the Pashtun nationalists who had, you know, uh, gone totally into the ground in the Afghan war, they have resurfaced. There are two members of National Assembly in Pakistan who are die-hard Pashtun nationalists and they have been put on the ECL and all that. Then there is a very strong feeling in the Pashtun belt of Afghanistan that Pashtuns have been taken for a ride. All these are serious things, you know. In the next five years, I think uh, without India's doing anything, things are going to change, you know, because things don't remain static, you know. Even the Mughal Empire was destroyed, which was a far bigger, uh, you know, entity than Pakistan or uh, even India. Empires are destroyed, they are transformed, they are, you know, they are balkanized, they are, you know, they take new forms. So this will happen in Pakistan and India also. Without India planning it, without USA planning it, there are forces of history, you know, there are demographics, you know, population, you know, is there. I mean, it's not to be, uh, nothing is inevitable, you know. Things will change, certainly they will change. And in Pakistan also it will happen, in India also it will happen. It's a matter of time, you know. In the next 10 years you will see very major changes, even with all the military manipulation, even with all the Bajwas and Rahil Sharifs, even with all the ISPR guys manipulating the media, still there will be change. Because history is merciless, you know. Uh, history does not respect any person, it does not respect your religion, who you are, what you did, you know, it's very complicated. Thank right. You. So let's say this is the best case scenario, that things happen gradually and the soft landings are always better. But suppose that there isn't a soft landing and there is a military confrontation. What is the actual situation on the ground? People in India who have no idea what the military situation is like sometimes go around thinking or saying things as if it's only a matter of will that India, previous Indian politicians lacked the will to sort of beat up Pakistan 
and now we have someone who has the will and it can be done but it's not just a matter of will there is a pakistan is a significant power and india is a significantly dysfunctional country and do what is the actual balance on the ground what do you think is the situation in case there is a confrontation no there is a confrontation is out but what is what can happen is that you know there can be some proxy uh, some proxy counter action you know india has got proxies pakistan has got proxies uh, both are going to use the proxies you know the conventional uh, you know thing is out because it it is it is too costly for india also and for pakistan also so both the militaries in, in india and pakistan are very clear that conventional option is out you know even tactical nuclear weapons are out because you know if if even a tactical nuke is used it can it can lead to a massive escalation which both india and pakistan cannot afford well uh, both india and pakistan they have got the the shudras you know the pashtuns the baloch you know afghans they will fight so you know they proxy war in afghanistan or you know in baluchistan they don't need to you see they will not disturb the indians will not disturb the uh, indian heartland which is you know uh, uh, bombay and you know uh, the the central indian belt north india is you know not very relevant now and pakistanis will certainly you know they will not disturb punjab you know with six of the nine army corps in punjab it is the heartland so pakistanis will never think of a conventional war because it will disturb the heartland and the indians will also never resort to anything which is conventional yes proxies will be used certainly let's go back now and see since we sort of have dealt with the situation current situation and the options that seem to be on the horizon and i think we have reached the sort of an agreement that conventional war is not in anyone's interest and probably not anyone is any they're not desired by either side and uh, nuclear war is out of the question uh, what they are going to do is pin pricks as well as proxy war and economic pressure and things that can be done to sort of undermine each other that way and i think india may have more leverage than pakistan does in that matter but who knows china is there and we think we will get bailed out by china no matter what india does uh, but we'll see but what was the uh, sort of looking back at the conflict 70 years uh, this is not the first time that it has heated up uh, we started with a war in kashmir right uh what has been the history of the military confrontation in kashmir and what are sort of the highlights of that uh let's see major i mean if you just briefly give us that before we wrap up yeah what happened in kashmir was that uh, pakistani political leadership was totally incompetent that was the first thing uh, if you study uh, jan akbar khan's book raiders in kashmir it's very interesting he writes that no pakistani cabinet member visited kashmir throughout the war they were so shit scared of the war that no pakistani cabinet minister visited kashmir although nehru was going around everywhere you know as if it was his backyard you know indian ministers were coming and going pakistan had a pathetic political leadership in kashmir war number 1 the first kashmir war i am talking about the military leadership barring general akbar khan dso was also pathetic you know the question marks on the generalship of uh, this uh, general azam khan and uh, you know even in 
in that war, you know, the, the good commanders like uh, General Nazir and uh, Ishfaqul Majid, they were, you know, they were sidelined after the war. So, first Kashmir was, war, war was a total political failure on Pakistan's uh, political leadership and many military opportunities were also missed, you know. Like, you know, uh, the Indian war plan by mistake was sent to Lahore before the Indian army moved into Kashmir. By mistake, the Indians sent the complete war plan of their army landing in Kashmir and all that to Lahore. That war plan was taken to the Pakistani uh, Director of Military Intelligence and Operations, Brigadier Sher Khan, but he just sat over it, you know. So even militarily, you know, it was a, you know, affair of gross incompetence. The second uh, 65 war, Grand Slam, you know, had great potential, but from the first day, armor was misused in Operation Grand Slam. In 65, Pakistan lost a great opportunity to inflict military defeat on India because of gross military incompetence in handling of armor, in Khemkaran, in the counter-offensive. In 71 war, Pakistan, you know, uh, was suffering through a political imbalance caused by Lucknow Pact in 1916 when the Bengalis had been, you know, totally ham-handedly dealt with by the Muslim League. So, 71 war was a political failure. Kargil, as you know, again was a political failure. And now we are, you know, with this situation, which is, uh, you know, a costly affair for Pakistan as well as India. Sir. It's interesting when you mentioned the war plan having been uh, mistakenly sent to Pakistan in 1947. Uh, uh, something similar happened in uh, 1965 as well. Right, the SSG captured a dispatch rider with the Indian plans in Sialkot, wasn't it? Or? Yes, that, that happened and you know that was the greatest intelligence failure of Pakistan because uh, there was a guy called Brigadier Rishad who was the Director of Military Intelligence and uh, as a matter of fact when uh, I was one of the first uh, researchers who uh, you know uh, opened this aspect when I interviewed General Nasirullah Babar and he was the first one who said that it was Brigadier Rishad, he was given the plan, the Indian war plan, by the special courier flew from Sialkot to the Pakistani military intelligence directorate and the Indian war plan was presented to the omnipotent DMI Brigadier Rishad and Brigadier Rishad, you know, there was a film, The Man Who Never Was in Second World War. He said this is an Indian deception plan. You know. He totally rejected that, that plan which was given to him and it, if it was not 25 cavalry's action, Pakistan would have lost the 65 war on 8 September 1965. So it was a very major strategic failure. And interestingly, because, you know, in Pakistan and India, everything moves on, you know, party bazi and on contacts, on grai bazi. This Irshad gets promoted, becomes a core commander in 71 war and again plays hell with the Pakistani one core. Even in the Hamudur Rahman Commission report, even a man like Justice Hamudur Rahman, advised by General Altaf Qadir, he said that General Ishad was a great failure and one core battle was the, one of the most incompetent battles fought by Pakistan Army in 1971. So, you know, this General Ishad was a height of incompetence. Interestingly, on the Indian side also, the the brigade commander uh, came current Singh, KK Singh, who was responsible for the Indian failure on 8th September when he was commanding a whole 
armored brigade with four regiments against one, two Pakistani squadrons. The man who totally failed at Battle of Gadwar and on 8 September, Khem Karan Singh, KK Singh, he was promoted to Commander One Corps in India also. And he also, you know, he played havoc with One Corps and his conduct, this KK Singh's conduct in 1971 war was much criticized in the Shakargarh Pulse. So it's a case of, you know, mutual incompetence. Both the, both the armies are highly mediocre. So don't expect anything good from them. You know, totally pathetic. Thank any you. final questions? Anyone has any comments? Uh, we'll wrap up here and hope that the countries don't go to war and uh, see sense and make peace on whatever is the current border. I hope that would be uh, the best solution. Trying to change it by force uh, from the Pakistani side has led to 70 years of uh, suffering on both sides. And for India to think it can impose a military solution is also completely misguided. Uh, Pakistan is not like, you know, uh, uh, Panama or something. It is a significant power with significant supporters. Uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, so I hope sense prevails. And uh, we will uh, have another podcast soon uh, on one of these topics. Tune in next week for Browncast. <laughs>